Hello and welcome to Switzer TV Property in a week when the coronavirus is affecting everything. And on tonight's program, Mark Armstrong from ratemyagent.com.au, he takes a cold-faced view of what's actually going on at auctions with house prices and all the things that we care about. Then we'll hear from a property economist by the name of Nigel Stapleton, who used to be at Westpac many years ago, and is now at the University of New South Wales and works for a company called Macroplan. He's going to look at the economic implications of the coronavirus, what it might do to unemployment, and then ultimately on house prices. And then we finish off with a very well-known face of Selling Houses Australia, Andrew Winter. Andrew says that his program is one of the most watched programs on Foxtel, and I can believe that because I actually use him for the promos. Andrew is a very interesting guy. I call him formidable but cheeky, but a very interesting guy and a man who has a great take on property. That's the show for tonight. Let's kick off with Mark Armstrong from ratemyagent.com.au. Well, with the coronavirus obviously threatening the economy, the question is what might it do to the housing sector and particularly the house price rebound we've seen in train since the May 18 election. To answer these important questions, or have a crack at them at least, is the CEO of RateMyAgent.com, Mark Armstrong. Mark, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Peter. Now, mate, I know these questions are hard, but you, know, you are an industry watcher and it'd be interesting to see what you're seeing even at this point in time. So has the coronavirus affected clearance rates at auctions so far? Oh, look, they, they haven't had an impact so far. The clearance rates are still reasonably high and, and I think it's still very early days. Um, Australia's still a little bit behind the rest of the world, probably two or three weeks in terms of the lockdown. Schools are still operating. So I don't think it's, it's really hit. The reality hasn't really set in in Australia just yet, but uh, it will over the next couple of weeks, no doubt. Yeah. So therefore, obviously, there hasn't been a house price rise impact, but you, you have alluded to the, to the point that you suspect that house prices will be affected? Yeah, look, and it could actually be in a positive way. It's, it's, it's really interesting because, um, you know, what, what the market tends to do is it, it tends to get stunned. It just stops for a while and, and everyone just sort of pauses. Um, and what tends to happen is the supply of property will drop. Um, so vendors will, will, will be stunned for a bit longer because they're not under pressure to sell. They'll just sit back and say, let's ride this out. Mm. Um, but for buyers, what happens during these times, coronavirus or GFCs or any of these sort of, thing, those sorts of things is money gets cheaper. Yeah. The, the RBA only has one tool. Um, and although uh, that tool's not as strong as it once was, given where the cash rate is, it's still the only tool they've got, and that is to lower interest rates. Uh, that's a great thing for buyers. Um, mm. So as buyers shake off the effects of, of the coronavirus, and if everything goes according to plan, I mean, we, we don't really know what's going to happen, but, but if the coronavirus blows through and, and in the next sort of eight to 12 weeks, um, the dust settles, buyers are going to look at the market and see cheap money um, and uh, opportunities. So it could actually have a positive impact. Uh, won't be over the next couple of weeks, but over the next two, three, four months, it could actually have a positive impact. Okay, so in that interim period, I guess some people will show up to auctions on the hope that other people don't show up to auctions and there might be a bargain to be had. Yeah, look, I, I think the property market is always about being prepared for an opportunity. 
Uh, patience is probably one of the most important aspects of people buying property. Uh, not getting caught up in, in big spikes and volatility in the market, but being ready. Um, it's a hard job for a lot of people because it's very time consuming, but just always being there and being ready for the uh, for the opportunity. A little bit like Stephen Bradbury was <laughs> during the Olympics all those years ago. It's being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. In Stephen's case, he actually was world champion for a few years, so it was an overdue reward. And I guess for some people who own property, a great uh, time to sell can be an over, over, uh, overdue reward as well. Mate, let's go to um, the likely, um, and you, you have alluded to it, the likely reaction of someone who had their home up for auction over the next two or three weeks. Do you think a lot of people will pull their properties? Oh, look, they might. I don't think that's the right thing to do, though. I mean, I mean, if you've got a campaign running, you've already committed all your expenses. You've already paid for your advertising. You know, taking the property through to auction doesn't cost you any more or less um, at that point in time if you've got the campaign already started. I, I, when I was advising people in the property market, you know, all those years ago, um, buyers, sellers always have that, that option up their sleeve to withdraw the property at any time. So they can run it to auction if it fizzes. They can always withdraw the market at that time. So I think if you've got a campaign up and running, um, my advice would be just to let it go through and, and, and see what happens. Because if other people are pulling their properties off the market, um, then your the supply and demand curves are working in your favour. Supply is dropping. And I expect buyer demand will still stay reasonably strong over the you know, next few weeks um, and then remains to see what happens down the track. Okay, for those people who don't know what your business does, explain that and then to tell us about what you found in your latest price expectation report. Yeah, so Rate My Agent, we're, we're an agent review platform. We, we collect uh, hundreds of thousands of review, reviews on real estate agents that are posted by, the majority of the time it's posted by the seller of the property. And so people can come into our website and they can search any suburb or any postcode and, and find out who are the active agents in the market. But because we collect all those reviews, we can ask a really powerful and pinpointed question, and that is when someone sells a property, we ask them, is the property they achieved above below or in line with their expectations. So it gives us a really great insight into the strength of the market. So we started this around about 18 months ago. Uh, and 12 months ago, we had uh, what we call a, a price happiness index, where 20% of sellers were saying that they achieved a price above their expectation. In our latest report, we surveyed 40,000 sellers. So it's a, quite a large sample set. Um, and that, that happiness had doubled to just a tad over 40%. So 40% of sellers in the second half of 2019 said they actually sold their property for more than they thought they were going to get. So yeah. it shows a really strong market. So given the fact, as it's been going for 18 months, you must have been doing it when the, the market was in a, a spot of bother. What was the, the lowest rating you, you uh, have picked up over time? Oh, I think that, that, that rate of around about 20% was the lowest. Mm. Um, but then we can break it down to different markets. Uh, this time around, far north Queensland's happiness rating was down at 14%. Um, and we had some other areas, East Melbourne, uh, for example, or Southern Melbourne was up at, at sort of 60%. Mm. So it's very interesting to drill down into the numbers and see what's going on in different parts of the country. Okay, well, given that, what are you seeing? Let's imagine 
we kind of believe Melbourne and Sydney are going to do okay. We're not sure yeah. how well they're going to do. Uh, a market that's had a question mark over it for quite some time, but my latest reconnaissance from experts in the industry is that Brisbane is starting to um, you know, pick up. Is your survey sort of um, supporting those kind of claims? Oh, I think they've all already picked up. So across the board, um, most markets have already picked up. And, and we just have to understand what happened. 2019 was a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde year. Um, the first half of the year, um, the, the market was really soft. Um, and it was soft because at the end of 2018, it, the market went through a natural adjustment. We had a banking royal commission, which, which uh, slowed down a, a demand. And we also had an election in the second in the first half of the year. So all of those sorts of things meant the property market crashed. The flow on of that was that vendors put their queue in the rack. They didn't. They decided not to sell. So we had a, a significant drop in supply um, across the country. Around about 20% less property selling throughout 2019. So that lack of supply is what really drove that spike and, and that happiness. So what I what I think is going to happen now is we're actually well. Coronavirus aside, so we need to. That, that's a bit of an unusual situation, but the strength in the market is what dr brings the sellers back to the market. So my expectation is, once we get over this coronavirus, I expect sellers to flood back into the market through the spring market, mm. uh, and we're likely to see the market level off. It's not going to crash. It's not going to have big spikes. It'll more likely go into a more normal market cycle. Okay. Um, coronavirus aside, we might actually see a, a bit of a spike in the second half of the year, uh, but but supply will certainly lift as we get into the spring market. Okay, I don't want to embroil you into a political controversy, but <laughs> given the fact that you are, you know, a, 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 a pretty uh, committed property watcher, can you imagine what the housing sector would have looked like? if Bill Shorten had won and he'd instantly introduced his negative gearing and capital uh, gains discount um, changes in immediately, what do you think would have happened to the housing sector? I mean, it would have had an enormous impact on investors um, and investors uh, are really important to the property market. Uh, investors tend to um, tend to come back with great force into the market. Home buyers come back first. If yeah. we look at, the, there's three sectors to the market. Home buyers are driven by emotion, they come back first. So it wouldn't have had an enormous impact on that sector. Investors come back second, um, so it certainly would have had an impact on that sector. And then first home buyers tend to be the last group that come back into the market. So you, you know a market's really strong when all those three sectors are back. So it would certainly have had an impact on those investors pushing the home buyers along. Yeah. Um, so uh, home buyers still drive the market. They're emotive, you know. They, 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 you know, they're driven by that that desire to, to obviously to have a place to live. Um, so it wouldn't have impacted those. But certainly, yeah, that that kick on. Per personally, I don't think the shortened government would have introduced it. I know it was a, it was a, an election promise, hmm. um, but personally, I think it would have been a disaster. Yeah. Um, it would, I, been, sure it would have been a disaster for house prices, at least in the short term, until they got used to it. And from my point of view, um, one of the bright spots on the economy going into the coronavirus has been the, the rebound of the housing sector. And I, I think we could have been actually heading towards recession even before the coronavirus if, uh, if Bill had won, unfortunately. Yeah. For, for him. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, for him. And, and I guess lucky it, uh, it didn't come to fruition. Yeah. 
Mate, thanks for joining us on the program. We'll catch up with you in about another month's time. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Peter. And that's Mark Armstrong, the CEO of ratemyagent.com.au. Now, joining us on the program now is Nigel Stapleton, uh, an economist who I've known for years, worked for Westpac in his younger days when he had a lot more hair. He's now a research fellow in real estate at the Centre of Applied Economic Research at the University of New South Wales, my alma mater, and Chief Advisor at Macro Plan. Nigel, great to see you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Peter. I would have had more hair too in those days yeah. as well, I reckon. <laughs> well, I can't see your head of hair, so you've got the advantage. <laughs> well, don't worry, it's not impressive, don't worry. <laughs> so how will the coronavirus, do you think, affect property? Well, it has to affect it in a negative way. I mean, it's a very substantial shock on the demand side. Uh, you know, buying a house is a, you know, it's a big decision. Um, it's not just a function of interest rates. And, of course, interest rates being down is positive. But it's a function of people's capacity or willingness to take on a substantial financial commitment. So in these uncertain times with a lot of people um, either perhaps losing jobs or losing income, certainly losing income, uh, a lot of people will be deferring that decision. So you've got a demand shock, uh, which in the short term, at least, has to be negative for prices. How will rate cuts and the stimulus packages soften the blow? Well, they'll, they'll mitigate it. I mean, other things being equal, the, the rate cuts would be positive for prices. I mean, we saw last year that the rate cuts, albeit on top of a, you know, a softening in uh, sort of credit conditions, which is equivalent to uh, further rate cuts. So you saw substantial rate cuts sort of reignite the housing market in the second half of last year and give it substantial momentum until the coronavirus came along. Um, so you've had two more, well, we're expecting another rate cut. Um, uh, so you've got a substantial rate cut, which otherwise would be positive. But um, we know from history that rates by themselves are not the only factor. So, you know, in the, in the early 90s, the first half of the 90s, we saw very substantial rate cuts. We saw no movement in house prices because those rate cuts uh, occurred in an environment where we had high unemployment. So it's, mm. it's, so it's, it's a big financial decision. So if you're uncertain about your job, you, it's something you are going to defer and it would be quite wise of people to do that. And I expect that to happen. Uh, Nigel, um, do you think in the short term, lots of potential sellers could pull their properties off the market and that may well reduce the magnitude of price falls? Oh, that will almost certainly happen. I mean, it, it, it's a feature of, of the housing market that uh, when things turn down, sort of volumes drop and in part because, uh, you know, sellers withdraw. I mean, a significant number of the sellers might be people thinking of downsizing. So in a volatile market, it makes sense to pull back because you know, volatile make markets make it sort of downsizing a bit risky. You know, you sell at one price and then you find the market's moved against you. So it, it's it's a risky exercise. So people will pull back. So there are there are a lot of sellers who have options uh, to to defer. And so that will naturally sort of cushion uh, 
sort of price falls. But uh, I mean, you, you know, uh, prices, you know, can fall. We, I mean, we've we've seen that uh, just in recent times. You know, after the peak, we've seen the falls in the Sydney and Melbourne markets, and we've seen you know very significant falls in the Perth market over a sustained period of time. So we do know prices can fall, but uh, you're absolutely right. Sellers will hold back. And that will moderate uh, any price falls. Okay, Nigel. Given your economist background, um, I, I'm going to ask you your your best guess. I, I I don't want to go to the worst case scenario because you know my colleagues in the media have been you know telling about the worst case scenario nearly all the time. Mm-hmm. Let's imagine that um, the kind of reduction in infection and death rates that you're seeing, say, in China and South Korea uh, is eventually mirrored in Europe and, and the USA. And let's imagine in two months' time, the worst is, uh, is past us. Um, given the, the magnitude of stimulus packages that we're starting to see now, do you think that there will be quite a substantial multiplier effect in the pipeline that could maybe generate pretty strong growth when we get to this to this December quarter of 2020 well I, I look I certainly hope that's the case uh, you know so you know if you'd asked me you know four or five days ago I, I was sort of uh, pinning uh, my hopes it's, it's hopes as much as anything that we would have yeah. a, a sort of sizable rebound in in the later part of this year so so yes and I fully expect that, I mean, our, our economy is relatively resilient. It sort of has a capacity to adapt. And so when the coronavirus is sort of knocked on the head and, and things start to get back to normal, we will have a uh, a very strong uh, rebound. Um, I'm not sure that, you know, that will necessarily mean we then take off and go from sort of like, the sort of moderate sort of growth and upswing we were having uh, before this came along to really, really strong growth. Uh, because I think, I mean, most of the the measures are to mitigate loss. They're not, I don't think they're going to make any of us sort of richer. Uh, we're still going to be a little bit poorer, but we're, you know, we're sort of like the, the government in a sense is, is borrowing uh, f- from the future to, you know, sort of moderate that loss in income or loss in wealth uh, that, you know, we're, we're all experiencing at, at, at this time. So mm. I certainly do think there'll be a strong rebound, uh, but would it then translate into a huge surge in house prices? No, I, I don't think so. Okay. So, so d- just trying to, to imagine um, what an economy might look like, because... The point you made earlier was in the 90s, interest rates could be cut, but unemployment, and of course, the number that I've got in my head, unemployment goes high is at least 10.4%. It's kind of a number I don't easily forget because it was a huge number for unemployment. Yeah. Do you think that is likely in this scenario? My feeling is if we go to 7%, that would be a worst-case scenario, given the fact that the coronavirus isn't... a a, a permanent damage to the structure of the economy. Though I do worry about financial markets and money markets in particular, mm. but as long as we overcome those kinds of uh, problems with 
learned central bank um, behaviour, it seems to me that our, our unemployment rate, worst case, would go to seven percent. But what do you think? Well, well, you know, I think it's you, you can't make them. I don't see any comparisons really with the the last recession we had. I mean, the the unemployment there sort of built. Uh, over a period of time, a relatively short period of time, but you know it went to extremely high levels and it stayed there for a long, long period of time. I think this is sort of like a little bit. Um, if you go to the GST shock that the housing sector yeah. had, you know, which was bang up, uh, and then we looked like we were in a recession in the sort of the sort of six months after the GST came in, and then things went sort of back to normal. So. You know, it's it, it's more that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, so I, I I can see the I can see unemployment with uh, you know uh, a seven in front of it quite comfortably. But I see that as like a short term thing. I think I think it will go up, but then I think it's got a capacity to come back down much more quickly than it did in when we had that serious recession in in the late eighties. So that took a long time to come in. So a lot of this will be like short-term unemployment um yeah. you know the, the the restaurants will go back and and they'll take back people relatively quickly um you know we we don't have the the fundamental weakness uh which we had back then which was sort of a, a massive uh, sort of property bubble you know all that commercial building uh, all those empty blocks in the cities and, and the like and that sort of structural loss of employment which was a feature of, of of that time so so i do i you know i i think the the spike up in unemployment will be you know quite noticeable um uh, because anecdotally, we, we 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 know people who are losing their jobs, um, and so so it's going to be sort of severe but short term, okay. And then it's going to bounce back. Would be would be my view. So it's it, it, you know I don't see this as um, a sustained recession. I see it as a short, sharp, negative, uh, and then a strong bounce back. Okay. Before we go, mate, just explain to me macro plan. Sorry, oh macro. So explain, yeah, explain to me what what macro plan is. Oh, ma macro plan is a consulting firm. We, uh, you know, advise uh, advise uh, st a lot of state government, local government, and sort of uh, and companies in the building and development game on um, um, on on the uh, on the property market. So yeah, it's a range of. Uh, uh, we provide a range of sort of consulting services, so it's uh, pretty interesting and cover a wide range of things. Looking at uh, done a fair bit of work on uh, regional parts of New South Wales in recent recently. Uh, very interesting stuff. Well, thanks for joining us on the on the program, mate. We'll catch up with you in a month or two. Terrific, Peter. Excellent. Everybody loves property in Australia and the guy who actually knows more about property than most of us is Andrew Winter, the star of Selling Houses the Australia. The star? Yeah, definitely the star. Thank you very much. And the co-star of Love It or List It with Mr. Whitaker. Oh, no, Whitaker is real name. That you, is his real you, name. You, you, you're always teasing that poor guy. Yeah, I don't like him much, you see, so I give him as much stick as I can because he's on the opposing team, you see. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of competition in that show. Yeah, and you are a bit nasty. You are like the nasty guy in that show, which is... Well, you're the nasty guy in Selling Houses Australia. Yes. You might be a nasty guy. Yes, I am.
Yes, that, that's the persona I like to give. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a nasty guy. But you, you have helped a lot of people in selling houses. Yes. And when I, I watch the show, and I hate you, mm. for the reason that you show people how you can buy really crappy looking homes and make a lot of money out yes. of it, which I've been doing my whole life. But until people like you and Scott Cam, who I taught many years ago, ah. have been telling people how to do it, yeah. it's really cramped my market. It has, and it's, it's, it's something actually, sadly, that's getting harder and harder to do in lots of parts of Australia to try and do that flip or to do that, that quick mm. uh, profit is, is more of a challenge now than I think it ever was. Yeah, and a lot of people who have bleeding hearts and who are very decent people worry that, that people are buying into a, a, a property market yep. that is just too hot that eventually will get crushed. Now, you've been in the real estate a long time, yep. and you have seen um, the UK market as well as here. Yes. The Australian market seems to be so resistant to those big sell-offs. Is there something special about the Australian market? Uh, no, there's, it's something, there's something special about the Australian market like other markets like the UK. That The UK and Australian housing markets are very, very similar yeah. and it, it's fueled by um, a sort of inherent thing that an Australian wants to own a property mm. for a whole variety of reasons and um, that seems to be a constant. Mm. So whilst that's still there, mm. Um, and the other thing that causes a lot of grief for a lot, a lot of people is, is affordability. Mm. And I'm afraid I would argue that affordability is, is out there in Australia. That mm. it, but what it isn't is prime bits of Sydney and Melbourne, it's not affordable, but mm. there are biggest cities, so of course it's not. Mm. But if you look at other cities of Australia and the outer areas of, okay, with Sydney you have to go a long way out, mm. Melbourne not quite so far, but affordability really is there. Mm. Um, I think it's more of a compromise. My, my, um, because for me, first-home buyers have to have an opportunity to enter the market. Mm. Without first-home buyers, the market is really losing out because mm. it's fresh blood coming in. Yep. Um, and you would then hear the arguments, people say, well, might as well have just rented a property and, and, and saved up money every year, saving on rates and home loans and all this. But the truth of it is, you don't save. Mm. If you're renting a property, I don't know anybody that's renting a property that's managing to put money aside. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about owning a property, if you get your mortgage right and, and you stick at it, you are gradually paying off the and debt. And you're forced to save. You're yeah, forced you're to forced be responsible to yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And when you're renting, Maybe because you're a bit disappointed that you aren't living in your home, you probably spend more on mm. your holidays and your clothing and all that sort of stuff. And, and for a lot of people, I, I think the the issue is you, you've just if you can't afford to live in the areas that you want to live in and you can't afford the house as big as you want, you just have to compromise. Yeah. You live in secondary areas, secondary choice areas, and you live perhaps live in a smaller property that you could extend later. Mm. Um, I think the other thing that um, I, I say to a lot of people today is that, that something that's changed, in my opinion, is probably a decade, 15 years ago, everyone was talking about buying an investment property as a great investment vehicle but for me a, a lot of options that's better for a more typical family is that if they can afford to trade up mm. rather than buying a separate property because mm. that's all tax-free yeah. and if you and you get the benefit of a, you know the next step on the property ladder if mm. you can do it because then when you do want to retire or trade down or anything you're coming from a higher level yeah. so th there are there are lots of options there for people but admittedly if you want to live in central mm. Melbourne and central Sydney it the affordability isn't before there. you became you know the extraordinary television star yes. you are nowadays um, you were a real estate agent. yes would would you have ever thought about telling people this market is too hot wait for it to come off the boil because that's what a lot of people would ask me I'm mm. sure you get the question as well 
Uh, sure, sure. Wait for the market to go up the board. Um, the, the answer is yes, because there's there's a time in every market that's usually the the peak, mm. and that's usually followed by uh, a bit of a drop, and then sometimes, depending on the condition, general conditions, quite a drop. Mm. Um, so, you, uh, for investment purposes, you never want to be buying on the peak. If you're buying a family home or a home for you to live in, and it's long term, it doesn't really matter. Mm. If you can afford it and you do buy it at the wrong time and you can afford to stick with it, mm. it doesn't matter because while the market does that, at some point it's going to hit bottom and start to climb back up again. Mm. It's not ideal, but I, I would like to see for a lot of home buyers something that I saw when I started in the 1930s. No, it wasn't, it was actually in the mm. mid-late 80s when I started. And we used to sell a lot to first home buyers in, mm. in that area, in the part of the UK that we were. And um, the one thing that all those buyers were, had a common thing, all they wanted to do was just get their own home. Mm. They weren't interested in what it would be worth in two, three, four years' time. They just wanted their own home, a place they could decorate, a place they could nurture and bring up a family. So I think maybe we'll start mm. to see a bit more of a return to that, more of a long-term commitment. And, and I guess where the stock market actually tells people every day yep. how their investment's going, despite the fact that everyone can't help but watch your program and love it all this mm. and all the other ones, yes. uh, you don't often know that the, the, the house you paid 800000 for has dropped to 700000 no. unless you're reading the papers or the websites Correct. all the time. And, and there's a lot of generic misinformation as well, because just because that suburb's not doing it, two suburbs away could be holding in. Mm. Um, and, and you could. It, it, it's, it's very difficult because every property is individual, and mm. that's, that's the reality of it. Mm. And, and prices... So there's another interesting fact with, with homeowners is that if you bought your property for 800000 and you, um, you knew it was reached about a million and you thought you were going to sell, um, and you want your million. Now, if the market's booming and your agent says, well, I think we can get 1.1 now, you have no problem in aiming to get 1.1. But if your agent says, look at the market stats now, we're probably looking at 900. Oh, I'm not letting it go for 900. Mm. It's still worth a million. So the reason our slumps last so long is because there's a refusal to drop prices. Booms happen so quickly mm. because you and I, as soon as we know we can get more, we're quite happy to raise the, the price expectations, yeah. but we're not so happy and not so quick mm. to acknowledge the depreciation. Mm. So that's why slumps last so long and mm. booms are really quick. Now, you come from the UK, and from what I can see, the UK really hasn't had a big house price collapse like we have, ha haven't we? We haven't had a big price collapse. No. You might know of one. Ireland did. Yes, Ireland had a massive one. Was Ireland like us before the collapse, or has that housing market always been different from Australia and the um, UK? Very, very different. Um, when I worked in, I worked in a part of London called Canary Wharf, which you would know yeah. as a finance yeah. man, um, and I was there. It's the longest interned in real estate. Uh, I was there for nine years, and it was a fascinating market. And in the time I was there, which was sort of from about the mid '90s onwards. Um, I would say half of my clients were Irish because mm. in those days they were paying 9% stamp duty on properties in, in Ireland mm. um, and the cost of getting in and out of property was astronomical and the euro came along and it made everything expensive. So it, it's, it's a very, very different market, um, Ireland and, and mm. the UK. But the UK and Australia, um, although there are lots of um, differences in the way things are sold and what people like and what people don't like, the actual desire to own a property and the way the markets fluctuate is really, really similar. Mm. Um, and London, for example, at the moment is quite calm. It had a really good 
good run. Yeah. But with all, and that's the interesting thing, that's been going on because of political things with Brexit and all the rest yeah. of that. That's yeah. had a massive, bound to have a massive impact. Mm. Um, we see it here every time there's an election or somebody's talking about some kind of tax change relating to property, everything goes, well, hang on a minute, I want to find out what's going on. Mm. So um, the, the political um, arena does affect property market, but the same old thing doesn't change that supply and demand. Yeah. And the reason we see places like the, your Turak and your Rose Bays that, that are stay expensive is because there's no availability, there's such a limited supply. Yeah. So it's always going to be your areas with uh, uh, lots of new land, sadly, and lots of supply that will always get yeah. hit. And I always figured that Australians would rather sell their grandmother into captivity than to give up their house. I think that's absolutely true. Especially <laughs> about a person like you or me. Yeah. Right. Now, um, I, I couldn't let you go, apart from what we'll talk about when your, your next show starts, mm. that, that comes up uh, at the end, but the hot spots, people who watch these sort of shows always want to know yes, the hot spots. Yes, yes. So, and I know you're I'm a Gold Coast you fan. great insight into hot spots. Yeah, I know. And, and also, I, I know with some of your lovely listeners, if you've got people in Melbourne, you know, living in not great suburbs, getting mm. high yeah. amounts of, yeah. of money for their homes, Moving into great places in Brisbane with swimming yeah. pools and that sort mm. of stuff, the differences are quite substantial. Yeah. Where are the hot spots for people who really want to maybe sell their home okay. now and go to some? Well, this is where I'm going to really annoy you. Um, if it's a hot spot, you're too late, <laughs> and that is always the thing. If that if it's a hot spot, the market's already done that. You yeah. need to avoid it like the plague. Yeah. If it's if okay. it's so for investment. Okay, so give us the cold spot that will be hot. So so for me, it what the, the general the general thing is you what usually happens with a hot spot is it's created by mm. um, usually substantial employment or infrastructure changes. Mm. That's one element to it, yeah. um, which is often very gradual. And then there's the the thing that's very hard to predict. It used to be called the the coffee shop factor. It's when somewhere that had no cool places to eat or drink, suddenly a few start to open. Yeah, and that's, that's a really obvious sign, but it usually happens when nobody's really noticing because mm. in a local market, there'll be suburb A that everybody will go, suburb B and suburb C, where are you buying suburb A? Mm. We don't want to buy there. Now, every time I've ever bought in a suburb that everyone said avoid like the plague, I've always made more money. Mm. Um, and and my, I have a great example of that going back to the 90s in, when I first moved to London and I was working in the West End at the time and... Um, as an actor? As an agent. Oh. An actor, I'd have been a dream there. As, as a real estate <laughs> agent. And I thought, well, um, you know, I've got to buy um, mm. up here, sell up in the West Country and, and buy up here. And um, all my colleagues in the West End say, got to buy in the West End. And I was going, all I can get is a studio apartment. I'm selling a really nice cottage in the country. I don't want to... Anyway, and I looked at London's Docklands, which was, you know, had yeah. uh, nobody. It was like Melbourne's Docklands. Nobody's buying there. Nobody's yeah. buying. I bought in London's Docklands and made uh, and moved into it. I sold it 12 months later at a 60% capital gain. Mm. I've never beaten that, no. ever, no. in one year. And it was brand new. It was the most phenomenal. But what it was was it was so undervalued because everybody's saying, don't buy there. Yeah. And then suddenly everyone went... Hang on, it's so cheap, it's stupid. And it's walking distance to everything. It's walking distance. Really? So if you get those ingredients of, of ge geography and, and demand all around it, and yet there's one part of that area that's just not taking off. The only problem with some of those is that housing stock can be very unappealing. Mm. Um, 
So it, you know, it does, it, it's got to have an aesthetic, mm. but you know, places, that, I mean, Redfern in Sydney is the, the classic sure. example. It's such an expensive suburb to be, yeah. yet it wasn't that long ago that uh, it wasn't. You wouldn't go there for a bit. Mm. Or maybe you would, because probably SP bookmakers mm. yeah. in Redfern yeah. So yeah, it, so, so it's, it's about looking for some weather, but, but also don't focus so much just on the hot spot. I used to say in the old days when we used to have filing cabinets in real estate offices that every real estate agent would have a really good bargain buy at the back of the drawer. Mm. They're still out there even online, but they're usually buried. A tip, always, you can choose how you look at properties on websites mm. like realestate.com, yeah. and often looking at the oldest listings first is a good tip. Okay, some of them will have been sitting there, agents just yeah. trying to get new lists, but sometimes there will be one that's just got forgotten. Mm. And those can be the ones to buy because it's all about the seller being ready to sell for the right price. Yeah. It's not always about the market. Okay. There's nothing like a distressed sale. Okay, selling houses Australia, yes. when's it coming back? We're starting in March, okay. very soon. Same team? Yes, same team, yes. Um, so Charlie, Charlie and Charlie don't Charlie. get sick of you? No, I mean, I get sick of them, but um, you but know. They do all the work. Yeah, you, they do you, all the work. You're just so cruising. No, I'm very busy doing research. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's the same team, and we are all over Australia again. Um, we're in Western Australia, we're in um, South Australia. I think we're even going to Tasmania. Mm. Um, this has been hot for real estate. Recently. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, so, what's been what stands out with this season is the variety of housing stock again is um, unbelievable, which is one of the briefs that, that our team get is that we don't just want single level 80s built houses, mm. we don't just want period terraces, we mm. want as much mixture as we can. And uh, interesting results too. Um, I remember a few seasons ago, the, the exec producer was sort of saying to me, said, we're going to really struggle. He said, I know the market's really terrible. And then we were finding that, you know, in inner Sydney houses, we couldn't sell yet. We'd have something up in, you know, Mackay or Farnham, Queensland, sold straight away. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of unpredictable results. That's that's a consistent. Has, has anyone ever threatened to throttle you? Cause oh, you, several cause times. Because you, you've been very nasty. Yes. And often you see. few tears. Yeah, yeah well, tears, but you often see some husbands just looking at, Mm. Who is this? Yes. Yeah. so nasty. And you are saying what most people are thinking. You go remember, look, 20, we're always nasty. 24 years yeah. as a real estate agent, yeah. I was being polite here. Yeah. I wasn't always polite. Yeah. Um, I'd get a little bit, and so I'd yeah. lose the odd listing, and then they'd come back to me when they hadn't sold it, proving I was right. Um, but those, ha those times were relieved when they said, do you want to do this show? I said, mm. yeah, I'll give it a go. And they said, but you can speak honestly mm. about the property. Mm. Then it was... Uh, I really can. Okay. I can really yeah. say what it was like. That's how I do. Okay. Have you worked out the, the reason why some human beings just can't see what people like you and me and Charlie and Shane um, see? Because, oh, no, it? no, very easily. Because yeah. they're just not interested in property. Right. Which, you know, whilst we say there's so much interest in real estate and property, yeah. there's a whole chunk of people that really aren't. Yeah. Um, um, great. It, it's, it's the same that somebody could look at... Um, uh, look at my washing machine and go, oh, I don't know what's wrong with that. Yeah. I really couldn't. Yeah. Um, it's just that there's just, for, for a lot of Australians, there's an inherent desire and interest in not just the property itself, but the architecture, the interior design, the, the real estate market, the whole thing that mm. goes along with it. Mm. Um, the, the problem is then that you'll get the people that um, aren't interested in it then getting involved in the game when they come to try and sell. Mm. And the misconception that, well, we spent a fortune on our kitchen 15 years ago doesn't matter now. Yeah. You could have put any, in fact, you could just strip it out mm. and it would be worth the same. So there's a lot of misconception and a lot of um, per personal attachment to houses, which you don't get with other products. Mm. 
So um, if you get the purse attachment and people also want to sell their house for similar values to a similar property in their street, but that person that's owned theirs for 15 years may have replaced the kitchen seven years ago, did the flooring three years ago, added a pool, therefore they're going to get more money. Mm. Whereas these guys are thinking, well, we've owned the house the same length of time. Mm. Ours is worth the same, but they haven't invested any money. Yeah. And yet they want to get the same return. And that doesn't happen. My last question goes back to some thorny issue that I think real estate agents lie to me about. Mm -hmm. And, and you're, the, you're yes. the proper lie detector. Yeah. They say, oh, swimming pools don't matter. Mm -hmm. But how come when they advertise a house, if there's a swimming pool, it's always on the, okay. the, the signboard? Well, there are certain elements in, in property markets that, that are key features. Mm -hmm. Swimming pools are absolutely a key feature. Right. They're not in a lot of Melbourne homes necessarily, mm -hmm. in the cooler climates. They're not in Tasmania. Um, and they are, if you've got a milder climate, and you're selling a family home or a lifestyle type of property, they are, of course, a, a big, big draw card. Um, so it's, it's like any, it's, it's about features that work for that market and that locality. Um, so no, they're, they're, they're an important feature, but you know, it, it's, it's all about relevance. If, if you're trying to sell your house in, in a hot summer's day, please goodness have the fans and the aircon on. If it's a cold winter's day and you've got an open fire, make sure it's lit. It's just making sure you're adapting to the marketplace that you're in. One final one, with your Love It List It program, it comes down to the final decision. Oh. It, it seems to me both you and Neil get surprised at what people do, do to someone. Oh, that's a concern. The, so if, if I'm really confident and I think I've got it in the bag, you mm. can guarantee I'll be wrong. Mm. And I think Neil would agree with that. Yeah. Um, we really thought, I think the first first few um, reveals, and, and what I would like to confirm is that when that reveal is done, will they love it or list it, and you see it filmed, that's our real reaction. Mm. There's only one take. Mm. Um, and <coughs> for that's so we're like, when you see our reactions. So mm. sometimes, we really won't know. We won't have any clue. And then other times I think, oh, actually, I think I've got the edge. I think you've got, and then, then Neil gets it all the other mm. way around. And, um, and it's so strange what it is that, that makes people stay or move. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to ask you a really hard question. Yes. A big star like you, mm. Andrew Winter. When does your program come back on the Lifestyle Channel? Well, luckily enough, um, a lovely colleague of mine tipped me the nod what day to start just before we had our interview. So yes. March the 25th. So very, very soon. Okay, great stuff. Thanks for Thank joining you. us. Thank you. That's Andrew Winter, of course, from Selling Houses Australia and Love It or List It.